Good evening. As you can see, I'm not Rabbi Bravender, who is at the wedding of a student. I'm Jeff Sachs, and I'm sure that I've met many of you on previous occasions when I've been here, uh, substituting for Rabbi Bravender. Uh, most of you probably get an email from me once a week with the Daf Mikarot uh, for the shir. Um, I think by coincidence I gave the shir last year on Parshat Kitavo, because I recall that we learned about Vidui Meiser. Um, uh, just as a, just as an aside, and not to take away a minute from the from the Torah, uh, those of you that do receive the weekly emails, and if you come to the shir, it's really worthwhile receiving the emails because you can get the source sheets in advance, and of course you could also get a message telling you if for some reason there was a snowstorm and the shear was cancelled or something like that. Um, but we sent out an email today uh, asking politely as possible, I hope, uh, for for support. Uh, I'll mention this now to all of those that you may be listening, all of those that may be listening online or at home, because even though there are a few dozen people that come to the Shear every week in Jerusalem, uh, there are many hundreds of people around the world that listen to the Shear online or get it as a podcast and listen to it uh, before, before Shabbat. The advantage, of course, is that they can listen to it before we can. The miracle of technology. Because if you're in New York, you can listen to it on Thursday on Thursday afternoon, even though the shear is only given on Thursday evening. It's one of those puzzles that confuses the mind. Um, even though we do have a, a, a generous uh, sponsor for the shear, the Cohen family of, of Milwaukee, uh, that doesn't actually cover all of our expenses, which include, of course, uh, use of the shul and, and particularly the expenses involved in recording and uploading the shear and maintaining server space to uh, have the shiurim disseminated throughout the world. So if you have, uh, if you have uh, benefited from Rabbi Bravender's uh, Torah, and I'm sorry that you won't get it tonight, you'll have to suffer with me, uh, we ask for a donation, Lekrat, uh, the Yomim Noraim, in advance of Rosh Hashanah Yom Kippur, a donation large or small, large is better, but small is also gratefully accepted. And if you don't get the emails and you want to know how to go about doing that, visit our website, www.atid.org forward slash uh, no, www.atid.org and click on the support link on the top right hand of the homepage. Atid.org and click on support. Um, perhaps the most uh, noteworthy aspect of Parsha Kitavo uh, is the Tochacha, is the, the, uh, the blessings and curses, or rather the curses, uh, at, uh, at the Parsha, which Hashem tells Moshe should be recited, should be benedicted or maledicted at a ceremony that the Jewish people should perform when they go into Eretz Yisrael. The story is taking place where we're at the end of Devarim already, almost the end of Devarim. We, um, we don't have to think about it. Simchas Torah seems so far off. Uh, but really it's much closer than we think. It really actually is much closer than we think. We start saying, Slichos uh, Shabbos, and Rosh Hashanah is around the corner. You keep somehow thinking it's far away, but it's really not. But it's actually much closer than we think because, because uh, we'll miss a week, uh, we'll miss a Parsha during, during uh, Sukkot, and then the end Parsha will kind of sneak up on us. So in terms of the story, in terms of the book we're reading, our bookmark is really very, very close to the end of the to the end of Sefer, the end of Sefer Dvarim. And 
Moshe is concluding the speech, this long uh, oratory in which he's teaching over the Mishnah Torah, the repetition of the Torah, all of the mitzvot, and the speeches, speeches concluded, and Hashem says, there's a ceremony, we have, to, we have to seal the deal, and that's done through the ceremony of the blessings and curses and Har Grizim and Har Eval, these two mountains, they're over there, look across the river, you can probably see them, you can probably see them from here, they're near Shechem. Rabbi Bravand always likes to make a little joke about the picture I'll sometimes put on so that we don't waste a half a blank page. There's a picture of them near, near Shechem uh, today. Uh, and this ceremony, which is actually takes place at the beginning of Sefer Yehoshua, in Yehoshua chapter Chet, Perak Chet, chapter 8, uh, Hashem now tells Moshe, this is what they should do when they get there, and this is what they should say. This is what they should say. Half the Shvatim stand on one mountain and half the Shvatim stand on the other mountain and the Levim are in the middle and they call out these blessings and they call out these curses. And everybody would answer Amen to these blessings and these curses which take force. These warnings and these promises of what will be if you keep the Torah and what God forbid will be if you if you don't keep the Torah, and of course this is all very reminiscent, this is of course all very reminiscent of what? Does it call to mind something we've already seen? No? I can't. Har Sinai. Correct, Har Sinai. There was this Encounter at a mountain, it's true, Har Sinai was one mountain. Here we're talking about two mountains. After Har Sinai, they, they, um, they, there's, there's a tochacha. There's also this, this promise in Pasha Bukhkotai of Oiva Voilachem, what'll be if, if, the, if, the, if the Torah isn't upheld, if the, if the mitzvot aren't kept. They build a mizbeach, they offer olotu shlamim, they offer karbanot. All of that is repeated. In, I mean, in our parsha, Hashem commands, "This is what you should do when you get there." And the details are 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 there again. And somehow, this reenactment of the the people around uh, around the mountain uh, uh, being told what's right, being told what's wrong, accepting upon themselves uh, the mitzvot, as it were, a reenactment of the accepting of the mitzvot, is somehow, it seems, meant to remind us. Of, of Har Sinai and many Mephorshim point this out there's an idea that I wanted to to share with you that I wanted to, to to share with you based upon the list of the curses that we have here in, in Dvarim Perak of Zion I, I, I must be perfectly honest I don't think that what I'm going to share with you is actually my idea as a matter of fact, I'm pretty sure that it's something that I once heard from Rabbi Menachem Liebtag a long time ago, uh, a long time ago, and when I was trying to reconstruct it in my mind, actually I was trying to reconstruct it off of, a, off of an old note card that had some sources. I once had a good habit, which I unfortunately don't have anymore, where I had a, a card for each parsha, and I would write down different Meyer Makamo to different ideas 
uh, for Parshat Bereshit, Parshat Noach. I even had like a little box that I kept them in because next year, if I had to give it Vartor, if I had to prepare a shear, I had I had ideas uh, at the ready. And on this card, I, I'm pretty sure this was something that I'd heard from from uh, Menachem Liebtag. But since it was a long time ago, it was probably the year that I came out Aliyah, which was 1994. Uh, that's a long time ago. I didn't have all the details, so I called him up this week, and I said, Menachem, I, I remember this idea I heard from you, and it goes like this, and it goes like that, and what about the following detail, which doesn't seem to work? He, he had no idea what I was talking about. <laughs> so I, I'm pretty sure that I heard it from him, but I'm not positive, and since he's not positive either, I can only give him partial credit. So if you're listening, whoever it is, that I heard these ideas from, maybe they're my own, maybe they're yours, maybe they're your reflected ideas, and I've done something with them that you would approve or disapprove of, you can, you can let me know. Um, but some of the ideas are mine, and, and the words are mine. The words are mine. This whole idea of getting into Eretz Yisrael and renewing the Brit, renewing the covenant of Sinai, what's the purpose of that? Why would we... Why would we need to do that? Why would Hashem think that's something that ought to be done? It's not a rhetorical question. I'd like an answer. Forty years passed and forgot. I don't remember exactly. Um, perhaps they forgot they don't remember exactly. But this is an even bigger problem. They didn't hear it. They didn't. It's not that they forgot it. They, they never heard it. Because they weren't supposed to be the people that went into Eretz Yisrael. They were supposed to be the original Sabras. They weren't supposed to be the immigrant generation. They were supposed to be the kids that were born in Israel. Who didn't remember what life in Chutz Laaretz was like. The generation that was meant to come on Aliyah, I guess they, they didn't have Nefesh B'Nefesh. They didn't make it because of what? The Chet Amaraglim. Because of the Chet Amaraglim. The original plan is we get out of Mitzrayim, short journey in the desert to Mara. We get a couple of mitzvot to hold us over. Seven weeks after Yitzhak Mitzrayim, we're standing at Har Sinai. We get Matan Torah. And then not all that much long after in the scheme of things we were meant to have gone in the Miraglim were meant to go and check things out and tell us go left, go right, go up, go down it's over here, don't stop there don't buy falafel at this stand, it's no good be sure to see you know, the tourist attraction over there when you come uh, you know, if you have to go stand in the Mistrata Pnim bring a sandwich and a bottle of water um, I tell that joke for the benefit of all of us old time who actually did come before Nefesh Benefesh remember what it was like to stand in the Mishra Um But what happens? The whole thing goes goes kablooey. The whole experiment fails. And they're destined to wander in the desert for 40 years. That generation dies out. And instead of the people who heard Matan Torah who stood at Sinai taking that experience with them into Eretz Yisrael, fighting the fight, building the society, conquering the land, they never make it. And the people that actually do go in weren't present at Har Sinai. And it seems that there's a need 
to recreate it. Now we don't do this in every single generation. Although there might be value to do it. There might be value in, in like a real recreation. Not the kind of, you know, uh, mini recreation that we do like on Leila Shvuot. Um, but like a real kind of thing. The whole nation. Imagine the whole nation coming. Maybe that's what, maybe that was the purpose of Hakel. A little bit. Right? Hakel after Shemitah. I mean, we'll do it now. But now it's only, it's not even a minog with a capital M. It's a minog with a lowercase m. It's just the practice here in here in in Medina Yisrael that after Shemitah we do a zecher lahakel and they're very careful to call it a zecher lahakel where where on Cholamoyt Sukkot everyone will go and the nasi the nasiha Medina if he's if he's able goes and, and lanes a little bit and they have other people come they lane over you know Sefer Dvarim uh, and, and it'll be on Cholamoyt Sukkot this year and uh, you know it's always a very nice thing but that's not the real hakel um, but but maybe. But maybe that's what it was supposed to, it was supposed to approach that, that once every seven years you have this reenactment of the giving of the Torah. But there was a, a need to do a special event for that first generation. And apparently there was this desire that the people that go in and possess the land also are, have, have Brit Sinai, have the covenant of Sinai fresh in their experience. That it's a, it's a first person experience not something they talk about that their parents or their grandparents had, had experienced. So, the, these lists of curses, right? And here's, here's Dvarim, Perek Kav Zayin, Posek Yudalf. V'yitzav Moshe ta'am b'yom ahu le'mor. Ele yamdu levarech ta'am al har grizim b'avarchem et ha'yardain Shimon, Levi, Yehuda, Yisachar, Yosef, Benjamin. When you get there, when you go in, so six tribes will stand on Hargrizim for the brachot. Vele yamdu al ba'harival, Ruvein Gad, Asher, Zvulun Dan Naftali. Vanu halevim, Vamru, El Kol Ish Yisrael, Kol Ram, the Levim stood in the middle, and Vanu, meaning they caused everyone to answer. It was a call out in a loud voice. Arur ha'ish, Asher Yaseh Peselu Masechat, Oeb Hashem Masayedei Harash. Right? Cursed is the person who makes any kind of graven image. Uh, it's an abomination to, to God. And all of the people answered and said, Amen, and accepted this upon themselves. So there's this notion that these klalot are parallel or reflect or are standing in place of that's why I gave you this little sticky note over here on the side. I, I know everybody knows the Aseret Hadibrot Balpeh, but there, there it is, uh, just, just for a reminder. If you want, you can even, you can even, um, you know, like connect the dots, as it were. So what is this? What is this? Uh, what is this arur against anyone that makes an avodazara? What is that obviously meant to connect to? Right? You should have no other gods before me. Somebody's going to ask, where's Anochi? Hold on to that question. Hold on to that question. Somebody's going to ask another second, how come the Arurs don't go in the same order as the Aserda Debrot? I don't know. I couldn't figure that out. Maybe next year. Posuk Ted Zion. Arur makle avivimo v'amar kol ha'amamein. What's that? Kabedet avicha v'etimecha. 
Some of them are easy. Some of them are a little harder. Arur masig gvul re'ehu. Cursed is the person who does hasagat gvul. What we, we talk about hasagat gvul, hasagat gvul in the, in the colloquial sense is, you know, I run a pizzeria. I have the kosher pizzeria on the block. And you open a kosher pizzeria next door to me. So that's called hasagat gvul. In Hoshin Mishpat, that's called hasagat gvul. That you're somehow going to step on my financial toes. And it's like a shaila. I could take you to Bezdin. Right? And you'd have to show that no, really the community can support two, two kosher pizzerias. Two kosher pizzerias. Or fill in the blank with your own, with your own model. But hasagat gvul, the biblical hasagat gvul is that there used to be, this was my land and that was your land. And good fences make good neighbors. Somewhere in the middle, somewhere in the middle, there was a marker, a stone probably, that was the border marker between my property and your property. So I can take the marker, I can move it over 10 meters and say, no, oh, this is really my land and not, and not your land. That's, that's Hasagat, that's Hasagat Gvul. That's, you know, that's the, that's the Frost poem. Uh, um, No, that's the ending line. But the title of the poem, Good Fences, Mending Walls. But and everybody likes to point to that poem. But if you if you have it at home, or you can just Google it, Google it, Frost Mending Walls. You'll you'll get it. I'm sure on, on online. It, it's actually about. It's not about this idea that good, you know, he's speaking ironically that good fences make good neighbors because the narrator of the poem is actually saying it, it'd be better if we didn't need walls between us. But you know, it, there's something. There's something a little tragic, you know, it's a reflection on the human condition that we need borders to say this is mine and, and that's yours. And people often point to the poem because of that last line, thinking he means it, you know, as a statement about, you know, sheli sheli shelcha shelcha, but that's not the intention of the poem at all. It's worth, it's worth rereading the poem from time to time to, to see what he's really getting at and not just to remember kind of your your faint impression of what it's really about because that last line is, is so well known and is used to prove the point that's the opposite of what, of what Frost meant. But a Sabbat Gvul is, it's kind of the nature of things. If I move the marker from here to there, so I'm gonave a certain amount of property. This obviously connects to... Shout it out. Lotignov. Here, you have it right here. I didn't ask you to remember Sarah Dibur by heart. They're right here. You see what I did? I color coded them. But I didn't want to give away the answer. Arur Arur Mashge Iver Baderech. Cursed is the person that causes the blind to err in the way. Like we generally talk about Lifna Iver Lotitain Michshol. The, the Isser in Parshas uh, in, uh, in Parshas Kedoshim that you don't put a stumbling block before the blind. So Rashi here says, and this is not so clear what this connects to. Rashi here says, Mashke Iver Hasuma Bidavar Umasio Someone who's figuratively blind about something. Someone who has like a figurative blind spot. You know, like a guy who just doesn't, let's say, a guy doesn't, you know, he doesn't, uh, he's not so savvy about, uh, about money or something. And you, and you give him a bad etzah. 
You give him a bad piece of advice and he's led astray uh, because he just doesn't, doesn't know any better. There's a different Rashi, if you look on the second, on the other side of the page, the Rashi in Vayikra, which is obviously echoing the Rashi here, uh, in Vayikra it says, uh, the famous passage before the blind don't put a stumbling block. Rashi there says, somebody who's again figuratively blind about a certain thing, about a certain, a certain matter, so Rashi here is quoting the Sifra, the Torah Kohanim, the Midrash on Midrash Halacha on Vayikra, that that's basically like telling about a guy who's who's got like this plan, like these you know, like these people that are like always buying and selling and got something and they they you know they got something to give you, you want to buy this, you want to buy that, and they're always trying to pawn off the bad merchandise for the good, and they say, you know, uh, well, it's like, you know, it's like a kid in school, right? You know, it's like, uh, I'm trying to think of uh, the metaphor, but, uh, you know, like, the, you know, in, in school, there's always like some kid who's, like my kid, my kid, my, my son, um, who, who, who's the eldest, uh, all of his friends have older siblings. He doesn't have an older brother to show him the ropes. But all of his friends his age, the Mikriya, they all have older siblings. So in some ways, those kids are all much more savvy because they learned, you know, at the, at the knee of their, their older brothers. So like, you know, you can imagine a kid who's like a little naive. And like, he go to school and like, you know, the kid has, uh, the kid has, oh, I'm thinking of, of uh, it's a day for, you know, references to great American literature. I was thinking of uh, Tom Sawyer, of Tom Sawyer. Right? Tom Sawyer has to, has to paint, has to whitewash, whitewash the fence. Right, which is like this terrible punishment. This fence is as long as a, it's a mile long, and he has to spend his summer vacation whitewashing the fence. So what does he do? He's more savvy than the other kids. The other kids are 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 blind to this. So he convinces them that it's like a, it's like Gvaldic. It's like there's nothing greater than painting a fence. And he actually gets them to pay him, you know, a nickel each. They pay, pay him and Nikolic for the, for the zchus of being able to paint this, paint this fence for him. Right? That's like a lifnaiva. The case I was talking about my son is like you go to school and, you know, my kid brings like a cucumber for a snack. And the, no, my kid brings a, my kid brings a uh, chocolate bar for a snack. And another kid brings a cucumber for a snack. And, you know, he somehow convinces my kid, oh, a cucumber is much better than a chocolate bar. Like, you know, I'll, I'll trade you, but you'll owe me something else. You know, instead, that's like a that's a kind of lift naive there. If the kid is is so naive to believe it, or if, if the person is so financially unsavvy to to say, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna sell my field and buy a buy a donkey instead, and the person that caused you to sell it, he's then gonna go and buy it because he knows he's getting a a good deal. What is this? This is what Rashi said. This is what Rashi's echoing. And as the the pasuk says, Arur mashke iver that means there's a blind guy walking with a cane, you know, and you stick your foot out and he, and he trips. Or, you know, you tell him, go this way, and he walks into the wall. But Rashi adds another layer to it. And Rashi puts a whole different understanding of what's at work. And again, these are the, these are the arurs, these are the klalot. These are, these, are, these are what befalls people when the worst of human nature comes out. Right? This is not what we, what we aspire. This is not the society we want to build. 
what is this really talking about? What's Rashi really pointing to? It's not, it's not just, it's not Geneva. When the kid trades the cucumber for the chocolate bar, he's not Gonave. He's not a thief. He's a huckster. And what's the root of that? Lotachmod. Lotachmod. Lotachmod is different than Lotignov. Don't covet. Don't be that guy who's always, you know, figuring out, you know, well, I got this, maybe I can get that. I can always trade up. I can get something better. I'll pass this off. I'll pawn this off on some sucker. And with that, I'll go and I'll make a deal. And I'll... That's Lotachmod. That's Lotachmod. So you see, you see what Rashi does. What Rashi does is he takes something, which is, which is actually really talking about something, something else altogether, and he, he reorients it to, to get at a different problem in, in human nature. Now, there might be a connection between the Pshat and the Pasuk of Lifna'ivar Lotitein Mechshol, of literally sticking your foot out so the guy trips, and, and this kind of the, you know, the hucksterism. That, that Rashi's painting, that Rashi here is echoing the Rashi in Parshkadoshim, which is echoing the, or is quoting the, the Sifra. Um, but, it, but it relates to this idea of, of, of Lotachmod, which is again unique. It, it might be a first cousin of Lotignov. It's obviously more closely related to Lotignov than, uh, than, uh, than, than, uh, than uh, Yom HaShabbat. But, but there's, a, there's a connection here. It, it, it's possible that Rashi is motivated to say this because he's also looking to line up the Klalot with the with the uh, with the Aserat Adibrot Pasuk Yudtet Arur Mate Mishpat Ger Yatam Valmana it's a theme that we see again and again and again I think Rabbi Bravender recently talked about this in a in a shir a couple of weeks ago I think didn't he this idea that you can't uh, you can't do anything here it's talking in, in the context of, of mishpat of betin of, of uh, uh, but that a ger a yatom and almana these kind of people that might be a little bit on the outs the convert the the the, the orphan the widow you can't do anything that's going to prejudice the case against them you have to be careful about the people that are at the you know on the lowest end of on the lowest rung. You have to be careful to protect them. They're entitled to, to something else. And cursed is he who does something to disadvantage them. What does this connect to? It's not so obvious. It might be the, the most perplexing of, of all ten. It might be the most perplexing of all ten. If you turn back to page two, Shabbat. You know, Shabbat has also a lot of different layers to it. Shabbat is, of course, maybe first and foremost, Zechel Masib Reshit. It represents the fact that God created the world. That's, you know, the theme of so much of, of the Shabbat davening. That's the theme of. Friday night Kiddush, that's, you know, you ask people, go out, poke Chazi Venira, ask somebody on the street, why do we keep Shabbat? Or why do Jews keep Shabbat? Because God created the world. 
work six days, rest on the seventh. I mean, everybody knows this. But the truth is, there's a whole different face to Shabbat, which is also there in the davening, in the Kiddush, in the, in the Psukim. Sheshit yamim taseh masecha v'yom ha-shvi tishbot l'man yanuach shorcha v'chamorcha v'yinafash ben amatecha v'hager. That Shabbat, you know, it's a day you, you rest. Everybody rests. You rest. Your donkey rests. Your ox rests. Your servants rest. The yinafash, they're, they're renewed. Their spirit is revived. The Sforno points out, Umizei yimshach shinafash gam keinamatecha v'hager. Al hefech ma shekara lacha b'mitzrayim kesha'ita sham eved. Shelo hayta lacha minucha. Shabbat, we let everybody rest. Shabbat, our servants, our slaves, they also have Shabbat. Which is different than the way we were treated in Mitzrayim. We didn't get Shabbat, we didn't get days off. Right? The Mitzrayim, they had a Chag, we didn't have a Chag. Right, we remember that we were slaves and because we remember that we were slaves that causes us to act differently to people that might be a little downtrodden either literal slaves literal slaves or people that might just be a little worse off in, in uh, Seres Adibros in, in Vaschanan in, in Dvarim, the Sforno reflects this idea when he says, Laman yanuach avdecha v'amadcha kamocha v'zacharta ki eved ha'ita. Hine, mitzvat shvitat ha-behimah hi k'deshi yanuach ha-eved. Right, if even the, right, if even the vacuum cleaner has to take a break 24 hours, so then the eved's going to have nothing to do. If the animals can't work, Allah has kama v'kama, the, the slaves, Paro, he wouldn't let us have a day off. Paro, he wouldn't let us go have the Chag that we wanted. Paro didn't care about the people that were at the end of the rung. So Hashem says, you're not going to take care of them, I'm going to take care of them. I'm going to have a Shvita. Like we know about Shvitot. The whole country shuts down. Nobody comes in, nobody goes out. Pray you don't have a bag waiting for you at the airport. Right? Hope you don't have to mail a letter. Everything shuts. So Hashem says, we'll also have a shvita. It was like the, uh, like the histadrut, the histadrut of Mitzrayim. Right? We'll have a shvita, we're going to shut everything down. All these avadim, they're out of here. I am taking them, and now you are stuck, Paro. That's what it is. So, arur mate mishpat ger yatom balmanah taking care of the lowest rung, caring that there should be some social equity between the classes. Look, the Torah is not, the Torah is not communistic. It may not even be socialistic. It's probably, probably if anything, economically, it's capitalistic of a sort. But it's compassionate capitalism to borrow a 
to borrow a, a, a phrase, um, that, that you have to care about the people that are at the bottom. That you have to care about people at the bottom. That's Shabbat. That's what Shabbat is about. That's what Zechor the Yomar Shabbat Lakad show is. That it's not just, you know, eating a lot of food and getting to sleep a little in the afternoon. It's the day on which it's, it's, everybody's equal. Everybody's equal. Everybody has the same rights. Everybody has the same privileges. Everybody has the same obligations. That's, that's Shabbat. That's Shabbat. So, again, we take something, we take an idea, Mishpat Yatom, Ger Yatom Valmana, which is a, an idea that we see again and again and again in the Torah, and you put it through the prism of the Aseret Adibrot, you put it through the prism of what's, what's the philosophical underpinning of some other grand idea in Judaism, in this case Shabbat, and you see that they line up. These ideas. Review this speech. Moshe just finished giving this long, long speech of mitzvot. And you know, if you were to land from Mars and check into a hotel and take the Bible out of the night table and read it and not know anything about anything, you'd think, what's going on here? What does one thing have to do with the other? I mean, these 613 mitzvot, you, you, imagine you put them like on 613 index cards and toss them up in the air. It doesn't matter. You could spend all day trying to put them in order. That's a little bit what the Rambam tried to do in the Sefer mitzvot, to show some kind of thematic progression in the mitzvot, just by the way that he, he ordered them. But in, in reality, it looks like one thing has nothing to do with the next. But that's what, that's what Chazal are doing. That's what the Sforna was doing here. That's what Rashi was doing over there. To try to find the, the grand unifying theories that link the mitzvot. I mean, this is part, part of what the whole operation of Ta'ameha mitzvot is about. But you put them together and they all fit in. This is reminiscent of the idea, this is reminiscent, when we, when we talk about the Aserita Dibrot, this is reminiscent of the idea uh, I think first put forth by Rav Sadiagon, but the Aseret Debrot. When you think about it, like this whole idea that one mitzvah is more important than the other, like why are, like we, we know that there are other mitzvot that are also very important that aren't on the Aseret Debrot. We say Talmud Torah Kneged Kulam. Talmud Torah is is equivalent to all the other mitzvot. Gedolach Nasid Orchim Mikbalot Panei Welcoming guests is, is even greater than welcoming God Himself. Right? How come those aren't on the list? Rasad Yagon says, no, it's not, it's not that these ten are any more or any less important than any others. These ten are chapter headings. And all 613 mitzvot can be classified thematically under one of these ten, these ten chapter headings. So a little bit, that's what, that's what, that's what the Sforno is doing. That's what, that's what Rashi is doing by drawing these, these connections between two seemingly disconnected mitzvot. So that this, that this klala lines up with Zechor Yom HaShabbat L'Kadsho V'amar Kol Ha'am Then you have three, four psukim uh, all of which are obviously dealing with Lotinaf, forbidden sexual relations, Arur Shochev Emeshet Aviv, Kegilak Naf Aviv, somebody who has uh, the Arayos, people that have uh, incestuous or improper relations, Shochev Kol Behima, 
bestiality, or shochevim achoto, or bataviv, or batimo, or shochevim chotanto, v'amar kol amamein. So this is obviously relating to the to the to the seventh dibur lotinaf. Kaf dalid, arur makereu b'seiter. Cursed is he who, cursed is he who, whacks his friend in secret. Right? When no one else is, maybe when no one else is looking. Maybe that's what the pshat is. That, you know, you, you smack somebody when no one else is, is looking. You know, anybody that has kids, you know, you have kids at home, or you, you once had kids, or you once were a kid, or you once had an older brother. So what do you hear? You know, you're, you, you're the adult, you're trying to do something, you hear, he hit me. Right? And, you know, he says, I did not. So, like, you know, that's the end of the whole conversation. There's nothing like, you know, it's a he, she, he said, she said. But he wouldn't have done it, he wouldn't have done it if Abba and Imo were there. Right? So, because you think no one's looking, but really Hashem is looking. This is also Rabbi Bravender spoke about this in a recent, in a recent, uh, in a recent um, shiur. So, that's obviously, this obviously lines up with Lot Tirzach. Although obviously the Klai is not talking about murder, it's talking about other physical, physical bashing. But interestingly, Rashi says makerehu beseiter. So Rashi's confused. What does it mean? Cursed is the person that hits someone else, uh, in, in you know, in secret, in hiding. But cursed also is the person that hits somebody in front of everybody else. Like, wh- why is it worse here? How how do you hit someone, you know, secretly? So Rashi says alashon harahu omer. It's talking about Lashon Hara. It's Lashon Hara. Because Lashon Hara, it's like the... I mean, we know, obviously, the Gemara, that Lashon Hara is like murder. Murder because, like, you know, you... You know, blood drains out of your face. You know, you... It's, it's like murder. I mean, Chazal don't mean it's like murder. But it's, it's, it's a way that they say it's very serious. But it's like murder. And how is it like murder? How is Lashon Hara... How is Lashon Hara the Makeb there? Because it's the kind of thing where it's... If I hit you... If, 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 if Ruvain goes up to, to Shimon... Right here and punches him in the mouth... It's not Beseter. Even if nobody else is around to see it... We're going to see that Shimon's nose is bashed in. It's, it's Bifarhesia. It's public. Even if I didn't witness the fist landing on the nose. Lashon Hara is not like that. You don't see the wound. It's on the inside. So that's why, it's, that's probably what was motivating Rashi to say, it's makeh beseiter. I mean, even if I, even if I say lush and her about someone in front of a whole room of people, it's not in hiding, it's not one person whispering to another, but the wound is on the inside. And lush and her is like murder. And hitting someone is like, is like murder. V'amar kol ha'am, amen. Arur lokeach shochad lahakot nefesh dam nati. Cursed is somebody that's going to take a bribe in order to, in order to matemishpat in order to, in order to, in order to cause an injustice in a in a in a in a in a court proceeding. You'll take a bribe. An innocent person will be. Convicted, or even an innocent person will be put to death, God forbid, uh, because the court system was was out of whack. So this obviously lines up with false false witnesses, 
right? Something which is going to to eat away at the integrity of the of the justice system. And finally, Arur Asher Lo Yakim Divrei HaTorah The last one, the last the last Arur is a general klala, a general curse on anyone that doesn't wholly uphold this Torah, a curse on him. The others were very specific things. What the meaning and the parameter of each specific thing is, that's what we've been talking about. That's what Rashi will say, it means this, this one will say, it means that. But, but, uh, but the last klala is a curse on anyone that doesn't do everything written above. A curse on anyone that doesn't uphold the above. The Ramban actually, look at the Ramban here. Uh, on his posseth, the Ramban says something interesting. What does it mean? Lo yakim at divrei torazot? He connects it to Hagba. He connects it to Hagba. Right? You generally think like Hagba, it's not like the, it's like the least important of the, it's the least important of the kibudim on, uh, I mean, maybe it's like one step above psicha. But, uh, but the Ramban says, no, it's, it's, it's Hagba. Hagba has some kind of like special, deep, deep meaning. Because you're, you're literally upholding the, the Torah. But that's not what the pshat of the posik is. Right? Somebody who doesn't uphold the Torah. So Rashi says, Kan kalal kol ha-Torah kula v'kibluha alehem be'ala u'v'shu'ah. That the last, the last curse that they all answer amen to is, it's like a nasev nishma. They accept, it's a re-accepting, it's a kiblu alehem, uh, the Torah, they accept the whole the whole Torah in a in a in an oath in an oath. So what's the oath? What is oaths? Where does it fit in? I mean, we've we've done basically everything. There's only one left. You know, that's the beauty of like uh, uh, connect the dots. Whatever the last two are, you know, that's it. I mean, even if it's not right, that's you just draw those two together. What, what do we know about oaths in 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 Aserata Dibrot? No? Right? Lotisa. Don't take God's name in vain. That an oath, using God's name, is, is a matter of grave significance. An oath, a vow, a shvua, a neder, right? And that's, and that's somehow all connects up with the, with the aseret adibrot. All of these parallels, some of them are obvious, some of them clear, you don't have to stand on your head and pull a, a svorno out of the other end of the chumash in order to explain how it connects. But some of them, some of them are obvious, others less so, but it matches up one, one to one. You can, you can connect all the dots. Except one. What's missing? Anochi. Where's Anochi? So I thought, this is what I, this is what I wasn't sure. This is what I said I have to call I have to call the guy I heard the shear from and ask him, well, where's Anochi? It doesn't work for Anochi. But then I thought of the following. We've met Hargrizim and Harival before. If you look in Parshat Re'eh, in Dvarim Perak Yud Aleph, Hashem tells Moshe, Vayaki yaviecha Hashem elokecha el ha'aretz asher ata barshama l'rishta v'natata et ha'bracha al ha'grizim v'taklala al ha'rival there's already been a foreshadowing to this brachot and klalot and ha'grizim and ha'rival this is when you're going to get there when you're going to go halo hema ve'ever ha'yardain where's ha'grizim and ha'rival right in other words I'm t- you've never been to Eretz Yisrael 
He says, when you get to Eretz Yisrael, stop at Hagriz and Ha'eval. Where, where is that? So this is Halo Ahema. The Eivar Yarden, Acharei Derech Mavo Hashemesh. There on the other side of the Arden, way beyond, over there in the Derech Hashemesh, right? In the west, right to the west, where you see the sun, the sun is going down, fell right over there. The Eivar Yarden, Derech Mavo Hashemesh, Be'eretz Haknani. Over there, where the Knanim are currently currently living, over there on Alone More, on 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 the the plains of of More, this place. Rashi, uh, Rashi says, It's over there. It's near Elone More, what we call today near Shechem, but in Bereshis. In Perik Yud Beis, in Parshas Lech Lecha, Vayomer Hashem al Avram Lech Lecha Meretzacham Elmodcham Beit Avicha, Laaretz Hashemarecha. I'm gonna, you're gonna go, leave home, leave your family, take your wife. You go, you go to, you go to the land I'm gonna show you, and things are gonna be good there. I'm gonna make you a great nation. I'm gonna give you, you're gonna have children. Via Pasuk Vav, Vayavor Avram Beeretz Ad. Ba'aretz ad makom shechem, ad elon moreh. Avram goes to Eretz Yisrael. What's the first thing he does? He goes to this place. He goes. Now it doesn't. Torah doesn't tell you he goes to Hargrizim and Harizal, but we know that elon moreh means Hargrizim, Harizal. Vaknani az ba'aretz. V'yar Hashem el Avram v'yomer lezarecha eten et ha'aretz azot. See this place? See where you are? Your children, your descendants are going to have this place. And Rashi says, Rashi says, Rashi says, Elon more hu shchem. Herehu har grizim vahar eval shesham kiblu Yisrael shvuat haTorah. Rashi says Avram comes in the very first thing he does as he's getting the promise that he's going to inherit this land as he's getting the promise that this is where his descendants will live Hashem Yishonim Har Grizim Har Eval Brachot Klalot the Bnei Yisrael are going to come back three prakim later we'll have the Brit Ben Sarim. The Brit Ben Habsarim, Hashem promises, you, you, like I said, Avram, you will, your descendants will live here, although they're going to go down. They're going to go to Mitzrayim. They're going to be persecuted 400 years. And in the end, I'm going to take them out. I will take them out, and I will keep my promise that they will get this land. In what merit will they get this land? Har Grizim, Har Eval, Shvuat Accepting the Torah. But now we're not only talking about Brit Sinai. We said maybe this whole ceremony at Har Grizim and Har Eval is the recreation of Brit Sinai. First thing we do, we get into Eretz Israel, Yoshua, right? Yoshua brings us in, we cross the river. First thing we do, we recreate Har Sinai. We recreate the covenant of the giving of the Torah. But maybe we're doing something else. Or maybe we're also doing something else. We're 
doing the covenant of Eretz Yisrael. Brit Avot. That Hashem promised this will be our place. We're, we're, we're cashing our check. We're, we're putting in our, our chit. We had, we had an IOU from Hashem. 400 years. Avram uh, Avram had been promised. It was more than 400 years. 400 years from the birth of Yitzchak. Uh, 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 is IOU. Where do you cash in the IOU? You know, like when you pawn something. You go to the pawn shop. Right? And you get a ticket that says, you know, you left your watch there. You go back to the same place to get your watch. You go back to where the promise was made. And you say, here we are. Hargrizim, Hareval, Shechem, Elon More, Higanu. So there's, there are two things going on here at Hargrizim and Hareval. At Hargrizim and Hareval. Hargrizim, Hareval, Hashem says, you're going to get this land. I, Hashem, I, me, Anochi, I promise that you're going to get this land. Even though you didn't get it right away. And these were people, these were people that knew all about that. These were people that knew all about that. Because even though they didn't get it right, right away, we had to go 400 years to Mitzrayim, right? Because that we had to wait that extra 40 years. These were people that knew that their parents were the ones that were supposed to be here. But ultimately it all works out. What's Anochi, the, the Dibur that's missing here in the text? It's the whole subtext, if you understand what Hargrizim and Harival is. If you understand the whole, the whole neighborhood you're standing in. It's Anochi, it's Anochi Hashem Elokecha. I am God. How do you know I'm God? Well, you could say anything. But the Kuzari says, you know he's God because... Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim. Asher hotzeiticha me'eretz Mitzrayim mi'beit avadim. Who am I? I'm God. What does God do? He takes Jews out of Mitzrayim. So what's Anochi? Where's the Anochi? The Anochi is writing over the text, between the text. The Anochi is hidden in knowing that Hargrizim and Harival, that is cashing in the promise to Avram. What's the promise to Avram? Ani Hashem Elokecha. Anochi Hashem Elokecha. Asher hotzeiticha me'eretz Mitzrayim. I'm going to give it to your, to your people. Now to be clear, in Perik Yud Beis, he doesn't talk about going down to Mitzrayim. That's in Perik Tedvav Abreshit. That's in the Brit Ben Abtarim. But they're connected. They're connected. The promise that the, that the descendants of Avraham will inherit the land is connected to the idea they have to go down to Mitzrayim. And if they have to go down to Mitzrayim, they have to be taken out of Mitzrayim. And if they have to be taken out of Mitzrayim, they can only be taken out by Anochi. So that's where Anochi fits in. It's, 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 it's hiding behind and between all the other uh, brachot and klolot. The mitzvah of doing the brachot and klalot on Hargrizim and Harival, which the Torah mentions twice in Pasha Sur'eh and, and here in our Parsha, this is a mitzvah that was given that Moshe, Hashem told Moshe, tell the people when they get in, go and do this. And in fact, again, Sefer Yoshua, Perekhet, it takes place. But it's what's called generally a mitzvah l'sha'ah. It was a mitzvah, one time thing. You know, the Torah 
there are all types of mitzvah. There's a mitzvah says, uh, uh, put on tefillin. That was a mitzvah for then. It's a mitzvah today. It'll be a mitzvah for tomorrow. It's a mitzvah lidorot. A mitzvah which is... But, you know, in, in, uh, in Pashat Shmot, when Hashem tells Moshe, leave this place and go back to Mitzrayim to redeem your people, he says, you see that stick, that mateh? Take it with you. And the Torah mentions that Moshe took it with him. It's a small detail. Now, it's foreshadowing, in fact, the reader, the first time you go through, you don't realize that there's anything particularly significant about the stick. Later, you're going to discover that this is a stick with which he, he works all those wonders. But when Moshe took that stick, like Hashem said, don't forget it, and when Moshe didn't forget it and he took it, he did a mitzvah, mitzvah min Torah. The Torah isn't, what do you mean a mitzvah min Torah? The Torah hasn't been given yet. No, it's a mitzvah, what does it mean a mitzvah min Torah? It doesn't mean it's a posuk. It means that that's what Hashem commands you. It's a mitzvah min Torah. Can you do that mitzvah min Torah? You can't do that mitzvah min Torah. Could Moshe have ever done that mitzvah min Torah again? No, it was a one-time mitzvah. Lichora, the brachot and kolot and hargrizim and harival, it's a one-time mitzvah, which they did as soon as they crossed over and got there. And we never did it again. But interestingly, you know, Everybody agrees there's 613 mitzvot, but there's some disagreement about how to count them and what exactly is in and what exactly is out. Rav Sadia Gaon, Rav Sadia Gaon has a, a piyut, a, like a poem, that lists the 613, 613 mitzvot. And in this minyan ha-mitzvot of Rav Sadia Gaon, he lists the brachot and klalot on Hargrizim and Harival, which is very strange because it's something that was done once and was never meant to be repeated again. Why should it count as as a as a mitzvah lederot, one of the taryag? On this poem of Rav Sadia Gaon, Harav Yerucham Perlo, who was a great uh, rav in Europe in the last uh, century century before rather wrote a voluminous commentary on the Minyan HaMitzvot of of Rav Sadia Gaon explaining the different the different uh, the different mitzvot I think it's a multi-volume work it's as big as a big fat Gemara on this little poem he explains what does it mean that Rav Sadia Gaon counted the Brachot and Kolot and Hargrizim and Harival as a as a mitzvah l'derot, not that every year we have to go back there and stand on the mountain. Obviously we don't do it. We never did it. There's no such opinion that we have to do it. But he says, what was the essence of the brachot and kolot and hargrizim and harival? That the nation unites together and learns what's bracha and what's klala? What's right and what's wrong? What is the worst of human nature? And what are our better angels? What are the things to which we aspire? What's the picture of the society we, we want to build? What's the nature of the civilization we want to create? And how does each of us play a part as a, as a cog in a bitter, bigger wheel. The Gemara in Sota 
the Gemara in Sota says that this principle that we have, Kol Yisraeli, Kol Yisrael zela zeh, that we're all mutually responsible for each other. We're all connected. Right? It's like, you know, I mean, you all know the Midrash that like, you know, if, if you're eating and the knife slips and the, the knife, the, the left hand cuts the right hand, you don't pick up the knife with the right hand and cut the left hand. Right? That's, that's, that's absurd. You don't cut off your nose to spite your face. So that's the way it is with all Jews. We're all connected. We're all responsible for each other. It's both a philosophical idea. It's a halachic idea that I can do certain mitzvot for you. I can be motzi you. If you haven't done a mitzvah, then I haven't done the mitzvah. I have to help you do the mitzvot. If, if you don't know something and I do know something, I have to teach you. That's what, that's what Rabbi Bravender, that's what Rabbi Bravender is always telling us. That everybody's a teacher of Torah. That everybody, 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 it's not just everybody can be a teacher of Torah, everybody should be a teacher of Torah. Some people are on a much, are much better endowed to be teachers. But anybody that knows something is a teacher of Torah. And, and you have to feel that, that there are people out there that don't know things. And, and everybody has to try to, to help them. And everybody has to try to help people do mitzvot. And I mean, maybe it, maybe it, it takes, in, there's, there's like a triage. Maybe it takes more immediate precedence with your own family, with your own children, before somebody else's children. But in the larger sense, we're all connected. And that arvut, that interconnectedness, the responsibility that every Jew shares for, with every other Jew and for the body collective, that starts at Har Grizim and Har Eval. That's where it started. So if Yuchem Perlo says... You know what the mitzvah of Hargrizim and Harival that we have to do all the time? Is that. That's Arvut. That sense of connection, that sense of responsibility, that sense of ongoing, ongoing commitment to each other and to the nation as a whole, that's the mitzvah. So that means if you see there's a need to build something for the Jewish world, for the Jewish community, you go out and you build it, what are you doing? You're doing the mitzvah of Hargrizim and Harival. And what's the mitzvah of Hagrizim and Harival? It's the Aseris Adibros. It's Kola Tarakula. It's Kola Tarakula al Regalachas. It's the whole thing summed up into one. That's what the Brachot and Kolot were about then, and that's what they're about today. Shabbat Shalom.